Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Let me just say a word of thanks. Um, so many of you have reached out to our family, brought food, brought beds yesterday or this week uh, to um, stash the uh, stock, I should say, not stash, stock the summer home that we're staying in, which is another blessing. Um, we were able to find a house back when we came about a month ago, but it's not going to be finished, so it's not really a house yet. Um, it's not going to be done until August, and so the family in the church uh, got, bought a house, and they're like, we're not going to be here for a year, so why don't the pastor live in it? Wow, what a blessing that is. You, you, you understand, um, and uh, we're going to make that place our home for a couple of months until our, our home is finished, but so many wonderful things have happened this week. Your, your heart um, is uh, overwhelming. Um, and all I can say is thank you. It's not enough. Hopefully, our family can bless you guys in return uh, over the coming years, long years. Um, so, yeah. We, uh, Amber and I are officially Texans now. We got our driver's license so we can get a ticket and vote. What else can we do? Yeah, all the good things. That's not why we're here this morning, but it's been a good week for us. God has just been opening lots of good doors for us, and it's been uh, nice to, uh, to be received into the community, and we found this place called Benchwarmers, um, also called Houdat, and all I'm saying is I don't think manna from heaven was steak fingers, but it might be a close second, I'm just saying. Wow. I gained 10 pounds last night with a couple of pies from the pie guy. Um, and I mean, my kids are sitting here unloading the car for a few minutes and I'm, I'm in, I don't care about what's in the car, I'm going for the pie. Amber came in, there's already two pieces missing and uh, I won't tell you what kind they are because they're mine. <laughs> I'll invite you over and be hospitable when they're gone. Until then, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be hostile. All right, enough about me. If you have your Bible open to the book of Acts, chapter one, we wanna talk about what it looks like to be the Surrender Church and how we as a Surrender Church will have an eternal impact. Now, first Sunday, I'm gonna get on my soapbox and I'll step right off, I promise. I wanna encourage you to bring your Bible. I'm a little old-fashioned that way. Uh, mine is all marked up. I'm like, well, you're the preacher. You have to have one that you can mark on. That's fine. If, you, if yours is not capable, if you're not capable of marking in yours, put it on the shelf. Go to Walmart, get a $5 copy that you don't mind writing in, okay? That's that. Bring your Bible. Now, I will fully admit, I read my Bible. I've got an annual reading plan on my phone. I follow that, and I read it through that. But when it comes to the preaching of the Word, I like for you to have your Bible out and write in it, take notes, circle things, whatever you'd like to do. When we get to Acts chapter 17, verse 11, you'll find out why I'm passionate 
about you bringing your copy of the Word. Now I'll step off my soapbox and get onto the sermon box. Acts chapter 1, if you would stand with me as I read from God's Word, starting in verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up and after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going up, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Father, my prayer this morning is that what we do not know, you would teach us, and what we have not that you would provide for us. And what we are not, make us for your glory and our good. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, thank you. Have you ever met somebody from the boondocks? (laughs) You're like, preacher, you kind of sound like you're from the boondocks. George West may be the boondocks. I'm not certain about that. It's not really city folk. It's okay, though. Well, there was a lady that was from the boondocks. She didn't have electricity. We know what electricity is. It's important, right? But she wanted it. So she journeyed into town and went to the electric company and got the electric uh, company to come out to her place and, and run a line so she could have electricity. She was quite excited about it. Well, over about a couple of months, the electric company noticed that her bill wasn't very high, and she, in fact, had only used one unit of electricity. What if something's wrong, they thought. So they sent a serviceman out to, to check her place, to make sure everything was okay. And, and the gentleman knocked on the door and he said, ma'am, uh, is everything okay with your electricity? Are you using it? And she said, well, well yes, I am. Well, this is puzzling. Maybe the meter's out. So he, well, what are you using it for? She She replied, well, when it gets dark, I turn my light on, light my kerosene lamp, and turn my light off. (laughs) You understand the point. She had not grasped the power she had at her disposal. She had all that power to keep things well lit all night long, but didn't use it. She wasn't surrendered. She was settling. She was settling for a kerosene existence instead of tapping into the power that was in her home. It's kind of like us in the church sometimes. 
God has given each one of you who have called on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior power. His name is the Holy Spirit. And yet, day to day, we try to live and even live as the church in light of our own human effort. We oftentimes fail to maximize his presence in our life because we're not surrendered to the presence of his lordship. The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, it's a story of the birth of the church. And then how through the church, through the apostles' preaching and the growth and expanse of the church, the cause of Christ and his glory is expanded all in the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is is God's purpose. And it's still our purpose that his gospel is proclaimed to the ends of the earth by men and women who are empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And we're still called the church. Followers of the way. I want to introduce you to a phrase. I think I may have already said it the last time I preached with you, but it's just the simple phrase. The gospel is the change that changes everything. I heard Dr. Barry McCarty preach that in a sermon about four or five years ago at a preaching conference at Southwestern Seminary, and it it just stuck with me. I've got a plaque when our stuff gets here in a couple of weeks. It'll be in my office. It says the same thing. Just a constant reminder that the church is always to be about the gospel because the gospel is the change that changes everything. It is the good news. I love the truth that that saying portrays and in the book of Acts helps us to see how change happens in the church and how it happens in real life. It's not about changing methods. It's not about changing programs. It's about changing lives. Acts is the second book that is given to us in God's word written by Luke. Luke was a doctor. He's meticulous about his notes. And when we read the the book of Acts, just like the gospel that he also penned to this man named Theophilus, we, we understand that it is quality history. It's excellent history. The historical record that Luke gives us in the book of Acts is second to none. The the places that he visits with Peter and with Paul, the cities that he mentions, they're all in place. The rulers are accurate. It's God's word, it's inerrant, and it's useful and effective for us to this day. Notice that the book is written to Theophilus. If you were to turn back to Luke chapter 1, you would see that very name mentioned again, Theophilus. It can mean one of two things, loved by God or lover of God. Either way, it has a very similar meaning. Loved by God the great historical record of the church. Why a book of history? Not too exciting to start with that, is it? It is when we understand that it's his story and that it's God reaching down to this mass of fallen humanity that needs saving. This mass of humanity of hell-bent men and women bringing them into this new fellowship called the church, the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, and beginning to work in them in such a way that the world has never seen, all brought through Jesus Christ and the indwelling Spirit of God. And as Luke takes us on this journey, I believe we will see a church that was surrendered to Christ, 
a church that is fully committed to the gospel cause and that we will see where we are succeeding in that and where we have fallen short and that we let the book of Acts as the Spirit of God works correct us today in the 21st century. When we look at Acts chapter one and the first three verses, you recognize that the church, as Luke is writing this, the the early church was centered on Jesus Christ. The same must be true today. The church is first and foremost centered on the story of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Look again at verses one through three. He's simply reminding Theophilus about all that he had already written, that Luke had written, he had penned, and how Jesus came and gave instructions. And, and, and I wrote all about Jesus began to do and teach until he was taken up. And then he presented himself alive, taught for 40 days after the resurrection, speaking about the kingdom of God, teaching the disciples. There's so many other times that Luke doesn't mention it, even in his gospel, a gospel like John, where the disciples had breakfast on the shoreline with Jesus after he yelled out and said, hey, put your nets on the other side of the boat. Peter then jumped out of the boat and swam to shore because you're like, this is Jesus. So many other times. And even in Luke's gospel, I'm reminded of the, the road to Emmaus. You'll remember that story. He's talking to the two disciples. They don't know who they're talking to. And they're like, man, where have you been? Haven't you heard what's happening in Jerusalem? But then by the end of the story, Jesus has gone back to the beginning and taught them through Moses and the prophets what must happen. And he reveals himself when the bread is broken. And the disciples say, weren't our hearts burning in us when he was with us? The church is first and foremost centered on Jesus Christ and his story. He remains central for the life of any church. And because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes in Acts, we can have a tendency as reading this to get wrapped up in that. Put Jesus in the back seat. No longer is Jesus taking the wheel. We want the Holy Spirit to take the wheel. Jesus take a back seat. That's dangerous the Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus. He's here to make Jesus known and to equip us with power. Others make so much of the Holy Spirit that there must be a sign such as tongues as the last step to salvation. That's not biblical. That's adding to salvation. Salvation is grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. But we cannot separate the two. The life and work of Christ for the church and the work of the Holy Spirit are one and they go together. We've got to be centered on Christ because he is the essential part, the essential foundation for our work. Our work is teaching. Everything we teach at at Coastal Oaks must be based on Christ and centered on Christ. The first sermon in Acts chapter 2, it's about Jesus. Now, I'm not going to have you turn there because it's so short, but it's about Jesus. It's not about how to raise your children. I'll tell you, you teach them about Jesus. Let him deal with them. It's not God's wisdom for women. It's not how to act like a man. 
It's just about Jesus because he's the one you need. He's the one that will change your life. Paul wrote to young Timothy. Well, he's not as young in 2 Timothy as he was in 1 Timothy, but turn in your Bible just for a moment to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 4. Now, we find out the story of Paul in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9 is where Paul's life is radically changed. We'll get there in time, but for now, we understand Paul's, Paul encountered Christ on the road to Damascus. Now he's a, a, an apostle. He's a proclaimer, a preacher of righteousness and following the way that is Christ Jesus. And he's raised up young Timothy as his disciple. In both letters, Paul always points Timothy back to this foundation of Christ, but particularly in chapter 2 and chapter 4 of the second letter. Verses 1 and 2, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Look at verse 8. He writes, Timothy... Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David according to my gospel, for which I suffered to the point of being bound like a criminal. Here's Paul in chains, and he's saying, Timothy, remember Jesus. Just remember Jesus, Timothy. All you got to do is preach Jesus. Chapter 4. Here's why it's so important. Verse 1, he says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead. So there's a day coming of judgment we need to be ready for because of his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, Paul said to Timothy. Preach the word. What's the word? Ten steps to your best life now? That'll sell a book. Please don't buy it. Read your Bible. It's all there. That's all you need. Preach the word. The word is the gospel. The word is Jesus Christ. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come. Here's why Jesus is important. This is why he's the center of everything we do. The time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. You know, those myths that people turn aside to, They are very, very close, oftentimes very close to the truth. That's why they're so tricky. You've got to know the original so you can spot the fake. Christ is crucial not only for our teaching, but he's also crucial for the missional outreach of the church. We'll dive into verses 7 and 8 more next Sunday, but for now we understand that chapter Chapter 1, verse 8, is really the thrust of our missional endeavor as the church in this day. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is our cause. Jesus said in Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, John chapter 20, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, Mark chapter 16. Christ is, is, is crucial, the foundation for our, the mission and outreach of the church, and he's also the why of our worship. When we sing, when we tap our toes to a, a, a great 
uh, blood pressure raising anthem like we heard from our choir a few moments ago. When we, when we see our, our praise team leading us to the throne of grace, we understand Jesus is the reason. He's the why of our worship. He's the reason why as you, you read some of Paul's letters like Romans at the end of chapter 16 or Ephesians chapter 3, maybe he's a better example, right in the middle of the letter, he just breaks out to two verses of a doxology. Just almost random, unless you're following along and you see this man loves Jesus and it gets to a point where he's just got to go and get worship out of his system. And he puts it in the word. He's our reason for worship because when you encounter the holiness of God, like Isaiah did in chapter 6 of his book, in light of that holiness and you come to grips with the peril that you face in your sin before a holy God, and then this holy and righteous God offers you grace and mercy and forgiveness undeserving, it makes you ready to worship. That's why Christ is the why of our worship. Coastal Looks, I know you've been a Christ-centered church. I've heard, I heard from long distances about this church. But I wanna say we will continue to be a healthy and vibrant church for the glory of God because we will be Christ-centered. We will be gospel-focused. And we will be empowered by the promise of God because the surrendered church is also empowered by the promise of God, which is the Holy Spirit, to carry out God's purposes. Look at verses four and five. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. If you go back to John's gospel, chapter 15 and 16, you find out that this promise of what Luke is talking about. And you'll find out in just a second, but it's the Holy Spirit. But in John's gospel, Jesus is captured as teaching about the Holy Spirit. Just, just briefly, he say, Jesus says, if I don't go away, the next helper, paraclete, counselor won't come. And it's almost as if we needed that we needed that next step. We needed that next presence of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, we Baptists, we get a little mm, jittery when we start thinking about the Holy Spirit. We get a little nervous. Oh, great. Somebody's going to start doing cartwheels down. Like, we've heard stories. Where's the snake that the preacher's going to handle, huh? He was at the summer home this week. I saw him. Actually, I didn't see him. My wife saw him. He slithered off. He's fine. He didn't have any rattles, so that's all good. But we can't ignore the Holy Spirit. We, we have to know that he is a part of our life. We must want the Holy Spirit to be a part of our life. We must depend on him because as the Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, these uneducated men begin speaking languages that they've never learned and everybody present hears the gospel in their own language. That's life-changing. That's life-changing. And the Holy Spirit then becomes and is, and has always been, the power of God's presence. Why in the world would we ignore that which empowers us to be successful in the kingdom mission of God? If, you, if you're just waiting for Sunday morning, you're living in the boondocks, turning your light on so you can settle for a kerosene existence. Throughout this book of Acts, you're going to see these disciples experience repentance, 
baptism, the Holy Spirit. You will follow the gospel along through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And you will see the Holy Spirit as the power of God, enabling these simple-minded men and women to share the gospel and fulfill God's purposes in the church. You will see the power of the Holy Spirit sustain Paul and sustain Peter in difficult times and yet make their witness effective. You will see the presence of the Holy Spirit as a fundamental reality to your Christian life. And you will know that the church is built by God's word and his spirit. Our only hope for health, for growth, spiritually, I pray numerically as well, because we're making disciples that are making disciples, is that we see lives changed. We see lives changed by the gospel. We see you and me faithfully proclaiming the gospel, and we trusting in the Holy Spirit for the work. The third thing we see in this opening uh, passage is that the church, the church is the witness of the presence of the living Christ. That's our missional focus even to this day. If you look at verses 6 through 11, we see this. He, again, he tells them, you're going to receive this power, then you will be my witnesses. Now, they were concerned, as we can be in the Western church specifically, when is he coming back? Well, you can write a book about that too. and You can be wrong. We can get wrapped up in trying to figure out premillennialism, amillennialism, postmillennialism, dispensationalism, who's got it right? All these things happening. The rapture's coming. We get wrapped up in all of that stuff, hoping that, man, I don't have to suffer. I'm going to get taken. And we completely miss what's in front of us that there are people that if the rapture is a reality that will not be raptured out because they didn't know Jesus and we failed to tell them because we were too wrapped up in trying to avoid suffering ourselves. The disciples were called to be witnesses of the living presence of Jesus. Church, we are called to be witnesses of the living presence of Jesus to Rockport. Aransas County, Coastal Bend. Has Jesus changed your life? Go tell somebody about it. Go tell somebody. Now, with this task, again, we'll look at this more next week, but with this task, this missional task before us. There are temptations that we have to entertain and dismiss. The first temptation is idleness. That we would say, well, you know, men, we might say my, my wife and kids and I, we have a really nice, we have a really nice church my kids are taken care of. We got a good student ministry, we got a good children's ministry, we got 
preaching, yeah, it's decent. A fantastic praise team and a choir with a little soul, right? I think I'll just sit back and relax until Jesus comes. Maybe he'll come in my lifetime or I'm okay if he doesn't. It'd be cool to see it. I mean, there are churches in town that would love to have you be like that. Coastal, we got to be about the Father's business. You know what I mean? We want to be about the Father's business. And a church that doesn't proclaim the gospel is a church that is not obeying this missional mandate by God to proclaim the presence of the living Christ. So we are first and foremost centered on Jesus because it is his story. And then we go witness the presence of the living Jesus Christ. The other temptation is to do the work of Acts 1-8 in the wrong way. That would be the world's way. That would be trying to do Acts 1-8 in our own power. Trying to come up with the right words, the Hey, what was that that I learned in vacation Bible school, the ABCs? What's that, the Romans road? What? Trying, to, and trying to do it all in our own. Trying to come up with a catchy slogan to catch somebody's attention. We just depend on the Holy Spirit, and we do the work his way. Something else I want to encourage you about is just to think for a moment the world is not going to be changed by legislation either. We can't legislate people to Jesus. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen by politics. Yes, we want to make our voice heard. Absolutely, you're an American. You have the right to vote. You better exercise that right to vote. But let's remember our history, church, because the, the history of Acts is excellent. The history of the church back when the Protestants and Catholics didn't like each other, it's not so bright. We didn't treat each other so well. It's not going to come through political power that this whole world has changed. It's only going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that changes hearts and minds. He's the one that can take the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh that is soft for God to mold and make. If we will be about our Father's business... Coastal Oaks, we will see life change for the glory of God. That's why we exist. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for his glory, and it is for our good. So the Surrender Church, completely committed to Jesus Christ, completely committed to his glory, is a church that will make an eternal impact. Amen? If we will be surrendered completely to Jesus Christ, his glory and the gospel, we will be a church that will make an eternal impact on Aransas County. The surrendered church. The surrendered church is a people who have turned to Christ alone. The surrendered church is a people who find their purpose in Christ alone. The surrendered church is a, is a people who find their life in Christ alone. And the surrendered church is a people who have turned to Christ and to Christ alone. And in turning to Christ alone, their life has turned to something so much greater than this world could ever offer.
Are you at the point of surrender this morning? I pray as we work our way through that book of Acts in the coming months, I know you're going to be challenged to trust God more. I know your vision of what God's purpose is will be expanded if you've never worked through the book of Acts before. But are you totally surrendered this morning? Will you trust God to finish what he started in you when he brought you to Christ? How about verse 8? When you examine your life in comparison to verse 8, how do, you, how do you measure up? Does your life, your, your purpose, your priorities, do they match Acts 1.8? What about verse 11? Why are you standing here looking up? He will come again. But in the meantime, be about the Father's business. Church, let's surrender ourselves, center ourselves on Christ Jesus and be empowered by the Holy Spirit and turn on the lights in our heart and let the church be a witness to the world and live in expectation of Christ's return.